We're going to be reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, and we're reading from verses 39 to 55. If you wish to follow it in the Church Bibles, it's on page 1026. Luke, chapter 1, verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. This is the word of the Lord. Let's just pray together as we come to look at God's word this morning. Father, we worship and we praise you this morning. We pray by your Holy Spirit that you would move in our hearts through your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. I wonder, does your soul magnify the Lord this morning? Does your spirit rejoice in him? You know, when we think about the word magnify in English language, we often think of putting something under a magnifying glass or a microscope and, and making something bigger than it really is. And so often we, we look at our problems and our difficulties in our lives. We tend to really focus on them and they seem to become bigger. In fact, I would describe that the fear and dread comes from when we look at our problems and difficulties and they somehow eclipse God. And that we forget that God is so much bigger than all those things that we're focusing on. In fact, often that's why we need to spend time with other people, hearing their problems and difficulties, because then we get that perspective, don't we, of, well, actually, it's not as bad as I felt it was. We tend to always magnify things in our lives that are difficult. We can also magnify ourselves. We can puff ourselves up and think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And we can often fall into that trap of, of puffing ourselves up and, and thinking of ourselves better than others. 
And also, as, as Christians, particularly, we can magnify our own sin. And not that sin in our lives isn't serious, but we can become so overwhelmed with our guilt and shame of the sin in our lives that we can lose sight of the grace and the forgiveness of God. You know, in the words of the Puritan Richard Sibbs, he says, There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. Yes, my sin is serious before God, but it is not bigger than his grace and his mercy to forgive and redeem me. That Jesus knew what he was paying for on the cross. And as serious as our sin is before God, if we confess it before him, he will forgive us and, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why the gospel is such good news. And that's why the incarnation of Christ is such a vital part of God's great plan of redemption. We must not fall into the trap of just bringing it out as a feel-good story at Christmas. There's a great writer, C.S. Lewis, once said, The Son of God became the Son of Man in order that the sons of men might become the sons of God. When you reflect on that, how staggering that is, that the Son of God became the Son of Man in order that the sons of men might become the sons of God. And just to go back to the beginning of our Bible reading, and, and we see Mary, who's now pregnant with the promised Messiah. She goes to visit her relative Elizabeth, who's now pregnant with John the Baptist. And in verse 41, it says, And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. The baby leaped in her womb. Notice that it was a fetus that was the first to rejoice at the news of Jesus Christ. Something in our, our wicked modern culture that we've completely lost sight of. I mean, every day, on a daily basis, almost on an hourly basis now, we're being bombarded with all of the latest figures of the latest COVID variant, the number of cases, the number of infections, the hospitalizations and death. But have you noticed that you never see the number of abortions in the nation up to that calendar day? You know, back in July 2021, they, they worked out the abortion statistics of England and Wales, recorded by the Department of Health, was at a record high of 210,860 unborn children, and that was six months ago. We're often told in our culture that a fetus is not a person, it's just part of a woman's body, and so it's up to her to decide what she wants to do with it. But this interaction between Mary and Elizabeth in Luke 1 gives us a very different picture the unborn forerunner leaping for joy in the presence of the promised Savior as his mother was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't just a baby kicking in the womb, as Elizabeth points out to Mary, and that's why Luke mentions it twice. When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. The forerunner leaping for joy in the presence of the one who one day as an adult he would stand there and greet him by saying, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In that moment, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she begins to prophesy over Mary, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And briefly, there are three things we see in, in Elizabeth's interaction with Mary. We see this firstly, this spiritual knowledge, this clear spiritual knowledge, the language that she uses. This is a great confession that is on the scale of that of, of the disciple Peter later confessing to the Lord Jesus, you are the Christ, 
And as the Apostle Paul later writes in the Romans, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And do you believe that Jesus is Lord this morning? Elizabeth confesses this unborn Messiah as my Lord. Is the Lord Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior this morning? A true person, a true Christian who's filled with the Holy Spirit will confess Christ as Lord and they'll rejoice in him. So she has this spiritual knowledge, but secondly, we see that she's moved to worship. There's a deep joy that meant she couldn't contain her worship and gratitude. And why is this granted to me? You know, that's the reaction of a true believer in Christ. Why me? Why would God choose me? I know what I'm like deep down. I don't deserve it. You know, this isn't false modesty or politeness. That is the heart of a sinner that's so overwhelmed with the grace of God that it just overflows into worship. I wonder, have you ever found yourself praying, Lord, I thank you so much that you sent your son into the world and to the cross for me. I know I don't deserve it. I'm a wretched sinner. I know what my heart is like deep down. I know my thoughts and my actions. And yet you sent your son into the world and to the cross for me. And thirdly, we see the blessedness of belief, that Elizabeth commends Mary's belief, and blessed is she who believes. Do you believe this morning? Do you believe in the promises of God as Mary did? You know, at Christmas, we open the doors to the church extra wide. In fact, so wide we're outside this afternoon. You want to get as many people in to hear this good news, because it's the greatest news that there is. But it's only ever good news if a person takes it to their heart and believes it. Blessed is she who believes. Blessed is he who believes. As the Lord Jesus would later say to the disciple Thomas, who like so many skeptical men and women that we meet in our lives, wanted proof. And Jesus says to Thomas, look at the scars. Put your hands out and touch the scars. If seeing isn't enough for you, do not disbelieve, but believe. Believe in him. Stop your doubting. And Jesus goes on to say to Thomas, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Blessed is the one who believes. The unbelieving skeptic, they want evidence, but the Bible says that the righteous shall live by faith. And Elizabeth and Mary were righteous women. They were full of faith and they believed in the promises of God. Blessed is she who believed. And then we look to Mary and we see Mary's response of worship. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in my Savior. Magnifies into exalt, to make much of, to boast in. In fact, Mary's hymn takes its root from the prophet Samuel's mother, Hannah, as she gave thanks to God after presenting her young son, Samuel, to serve in the temple. And Hannah prayed, My heart exalts in the Lord, and my horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. And like Hannah, all those centuries before, Mary exalted. She magnified the Lord, and her spirit rejoiced in her Savior. Now, I think this verse completely destroys the Roman Catholic heresy of immaculate conception. You know, if Mary wasn't a sinner, then she wouldn't need a Savior, would she? As we've already seen in the first chapter of Luke's Gospel, Mary was a faithful servant. She found favor with God. 
and she was chosen to play a vital part in God's plan of redemption. She was blessed as a righteous woman and she offered herself fully to the Lord and believed in his promises. She sets a wonderful example. She's someone to really respect, but she should never be venerated. And she herself would be the the first to reject any veneration or mediation that, that the Roman church would assign to her. She was a sinner just like everybody else. There's only ever been one sinless person and that was the child that was in her womb at that point. The sinless son of God. That's why she worships the Lord saying, my spirit rejoices in God, my saviour. She knew she was a sinner and she knew that she needed a saviour. And in that moment she rejoiced in him, the God of her salvation. And she knew the joy of her salvation. That's what we see in her, the, the joy of salvation. And I wonder this morning, do you know the joy of your salvation? The Bible is full of, re- of reminders of how we should re- respond like Mary does in all kinds of different situations. In Isaiah 12, it says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. There is a well that will never run dry. There is a salvation that never runs out. God's well of salvation never runs dry. When we find ourselves in times of sadness and difficulty, particularly like the the one that we're going through at the moment... Like the prophet Habakkuk, we can say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, even when things turn bad. When we've sinned against God, we can come to him like King David in the 51st Psalm. And we can pray, restore to me, Lord, the joy of my salvation. The Apostle Paul reminds us, rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I'll say rejoice. Rejoice in your salvation. And Mary's song also demonstrated that she knew the scriptures. She knew how God had shown mercy and faithfulness to his people, right from his servant Abraham, throughout the history of God's people Israel. And this promised Messiah was a fulfillment and a a continuation of God's mercy. That was first shown to Abraham and to the fathers of old. That's why we need to read the word of God constantly, live in the word of God, remind ourselves of the promises of God the faithfulness of God to his people, that God who's faithful to his people of old and to Mary and to Elizabeth is also faithful to us today. We can rejoice that you and I here today are part of that same plan of salvation that Mary rejoiced in on that wonderful day. And yes, we're confronted with all kinds of challenges. The troubles in the world around us, the the current pandemic the fears and the insecurities, the, the ongoing struggle in our own lives, the ongoing struggle with sin and difficulties and concerns and fears. But the Bible reminds us not to look down at our problem, but to look up. My soul magnifies the Lord. It magnifies the Lord. It doesn't magnify my problem. It doesn't magnify my situation. It magnifies the Lord. It says, well, you know, God will sort it out. I don't know how, but he'll sort it out. The great preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, once famously said, stop talking to yourself and start preaching to yourself. I wonder if we do that. I know I often don't. But stop talking to yourself. Stop reminding yourself of how bad it is. Start preaching to yourself. Say to yourself, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. He who is mighty 
has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. So what am I worried about? Why am I so concerned about my situation? When God was willing and able to make the virgin conceive of the Son of God, who would come into the world to die on the cross for my sin, to bring me to God, and he would do all that to bring me to God. I have nothing to fear, and I have everything to rejoice in. That is why Mary is moved to worship. That's why she gives thanks with such joy in her heart because she knew first and foremost that what she was carrying in her womb was the, the one who'd bring her own salvation. So she rejoiced in that praise, God, for what you've done for me personally. But also she knew what God would do for the salvation of his people and for his elect. So as I close, do you rejoice in the Lord today? Do you rejoice in him more than anything else? Are you able to look beyond all the difficulties and all the fear and all the complications of this world and and magnify him? Does your soul magnify him? Is your confidence in him? And do you rejoice knowing that your salvation is secure in Christ? Amen.